All right, and welcome back to the second episode of the Red Zone Power Play podcast. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Zach. And I am Eve. And we're going to get a good rundown on uh, what's been happening in the NHL uh, the last week or so. Um, we left off the end of last episode with a quick breakdown um, of the first few games. I uh, wanted to get a little more in-depth on games four and five. Um, game four, uh, the Lightning came out. You know, they were just... They were the dominant team. The The Stars really didn't have much of a chance. Um, they, they clearly are showing why uh, so many people picked them to win uh, from the start of the season. Game five, uh, the Stars had their statement win coming back, trying to force game six after they went down 3-1. Um, they really you know, had some lucky bounces there um, and a couple uh, penalties that were missed on both sides. Uh, the refs kind of play a little bit of catch up. Um, you know, calling some bad penalties and then having to make it up to go in the other way. Um, but as of right now, uh, the main thing that the Stars need is they need Hudobin to really get locked in. Um, as of right now, they're down one nothing at the end of the first period. Um, Tyler Sagan, he's just been kind of invisible in the series, um, really all playoffs. But if he can get going, they're going to be a force. Um, so I guess one of the main things with the NHL right now um, with everything that's been going on, their testing success, they're at about 33,000 tests without a positive case. Um, the statement at the beginning of the restart was that they were going to hand out the cup safely. Um, and it looks like they're going to do that. Um, being that that's everybody insane. in the bubble. Yeah. I mean, it, it's unheard of, you know, the NFL, they're doing a great job, but <laughs> they've had a few, you know, baseball had a mess. Yeah, you, you know, it really just shows you that the bubble system is really working for both the NBA and the NHL. Oh, it absolutely does. And I think I think one thing to be looked at is do they consider doing a bubble come next season? Um, you know, taking a few more, you know, a few more cities because you're not going to do 16 teams in a city. Um, we've seen throughout the playoffs what the ice quality has um, dwindled to by the third, fourth game of the night. Um you know, you almost have to, you know, if you're going to stick with Canada, being that they do so well, um, you almost have to take, you know, Edmonton, Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary, Ottawa, and Montreal. You have to pretty much take all of them, um, try and break it up as much as possible to accommodate more games, but also not create a poor ice surface that the games are, you know, um, difficult to play. Uh, the, you don't want the the safety to be compromised as well as, um, just the quality of play, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And we'll just have to see, wait and see where we are with our current situation in the next few months when the NHL gets back for their 2020, 2021 season. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's all this, this talk of everything that's going on. Um, I'd love to see them, uh, do the bubble system. I think it'd be a great way to try and keep it, um, consistent. You know, some of these teams, we had, you know, 24 teams out of 30, out of 31, sorry. Um, they, uh, they were used to this, you know, whether they were there for a week or they weren't, they had to do the two week run up of, of prep. Um, so it's not going to be that hard to get the other seven teams involved. Um, I don't really think it would be that difficult um, being that the guidelines are there and it's clearly worked for the better part of, you know, two and a half months. Um, so in terms of hockey right now, we've had some signings, uh, Montreal signed a pair of defensemen, Joel Edmondson and, uh, Jeff Petrie really, it really shores up their defense core. They, uh, they have some really key pieces there, especially captain Shea Weber. Um, 
they're a team that they knocked out the Penguins, um, who both of us are fans of, um, and they showed it through um, Carey Price being Carey Price again, but also the defense just being uh, a brick wall um, uh, all four games. Um, but the other news, uh, speaking of the Penguins, is the Hornquist trade to Florida. Uh, they traded Patrick Hornquist for Mike Matheson and Colton Sevier. Um, a lot of Penns fans wanted to see some salary retained on Florida's part uh, on the Matheson deal. Um, but I don't know. It, it's a tough call because Matheson's only 26. He's got a six-year deal, so it puts him at 32 when it's going to expire. Um, and Hornquist has three more years uh, at $5.3 million, and he's going to be 34 when the season starts. So mm-hmm. um, the value difference is there. Uh, what are your yeah. thoughts on the deal? You know, like um... – I was on Twitter the past couple of days and uh, I was even having uh, dinner with a friend the other night and he, he and I both agreed that we just didn't really like the trade that much. Uh, I think the good news about it is that Matheson, Matheson is, uh, is 20, what'd you say? He was 26? 26. Yeah. Yeah. So that should definitely um, help the Penguins, I think just in terms of youth, but at the same time, it's just, yeah, I, I just didn't really care for the trade that, that much. Yeah, I mean Matheson, he's he's been struggling the last few years. You know, uh, Florida. Some some insiders thought that he could surpass Aaron Eckblad, um, a former first overall pick. I really don't understand that logic, but he's definitely got the tools. You know, he's got the speed. He's got the offensive ability. Um, he's scored like twenty two goals in the last three seasons combined as a as a second third pairing defenseman. That's kind of unheard of. Yeah, <laughs> um, but the price tag that's the big deal. As well as getting rid of Patrick Hornquist, I uh, I think the Penguins are going to miss what he brings in the locker room. Um, but I don't know. I think that the game he plays, his body was going to break down um, fairly quickly. He has a lot of miles, and <laughs> the amount of concussions he's had in the last three years is just it's scary overall. Oh, for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and moving on, uh, just a quick update as uh, the Cup Finals going to be wrapping up here. Uh, in the next few days, if not tonight even, um, the draft and free agency are going to be coming up here the first week of October. Um, looking at the draft, we're just going to highlight kind of like the first five picks. Um, everybody knows Alexi Lafreniere is going to be the first pick, uh, unless the Rangers just throw away the lottery, essentially. Um, kid, I think you'd have to be stupid not to take not to take that with your first pick, but, you know. Oh, I agree. I mean, he's – He's a sensational talent. There's not been many playmakers the this the style that he plays. Um, and then going down uh, picks two through five, we got Quentin Byfield, Tim Stutzla, Marco Rossi, and Lucas Raymond. Um, got a got a really no defense presence in the top five, but Jamie Drysdale may sneak in there depending on what the Senators decide to do with their two top five picks. Um, Cole Perfetti is also someone to keep your eyes on at number four. Uh, the Red Wings have talked with him extensively, um, and Saginaw is fairly close to Detroit in terms of you know geographic location. Um, but I really think that the the two three number Stutzla and Byfield is so fluid; um, it's almost impossible to call. And then four through six, it's the same way. Any of those guys could go anywhere. Uh, but moving on. We're going to get into uh, week three and go into last night's game, the Packers and the Saints. 
what is going on with the Saints right now? <laughs> I just don't understand what's happening to a team that last year looked like they could have run away with the Super Bowl. Yeah, I really don't know what's going on with the Saints right now. Um, part of my theory probably would be is that uh, they're they're missing their fans. I mean, w- w- looking back on some of their past seasons, you saw that quarterbacks were struggling to hear the play calls, make their audibles, adjustments, stuff like that. And Aaron Rodgers is a master at getting people to jump off sides with his hard count. And we saw that numerous times last night. So I, I do think the fans are missed in New Orleans, but also obvious thing, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is obviously missed with that a Saints offense. Drew Brees, I think, struggled to find some open receivers because it was really just Drew Brees dumping it off to Alvin Kamara the whole time. And then we saw that insane play by Alvin Kamara. I still don't know how he scored on that. And he was just jogging the entire time. He jogged but, uh, for like 30 yards out of whatever it was, 53. I mean, he was just like, you know, your average Joe jogging around the block there. <laughs> yeah, it was just insane. I still don't know how he scored on that, but he is one of the best backs in the NFL. But Still, the Saints are just struggling right now. Their defense just wasn't able to stop Aaron Rodgers the the whole game. But I think the biggest things are Drew Brees is missing Michael Thomas and I and this lack of fans in the stadium. I think the fans have as much a presence in uh, New Orleans as really anywhere, uh, especially being that it's an indoor stadium. You know that sound just stays there; it doesn't escape. Um. But I don't, I don't know. I think that the Saints really need Michael Thomas back because you can't rely on Alvin Kamara to catch 13 passes a game like he did last night. Um, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is a great wide receiver, but he's just not Michael Thomas. Uh, we mentioned that last episode. Um, they just need that threat back because he opens up the field for everybody else. I mean, when Michael Thomas is going, um, you know, Kamara is able to run the ball. Uh, Jared Cook's able to get open, be a red zone threat like he is. You know, you got Sanders can get downfield, and these other guys, even Taysom Hill can do things. You know, um, I really think that that's a big piece that they're missing there. Um, but on the other side, I mean, Green Bay, holy smokes, even without uh, Devontae Adams, they look like a really legit team right now. Without question, without question there. Aaron Rodgers went 21 of 32, 283 yards, three touchdowns, kind of looking like the Aaron Rodgers that we're used to seeing because last year he was just handing the ball off the entire time to Aaron Jones. But uh, he looked so well last night. Their top receiver was uh, Lazard with six receptions, 146 yards, and that touchdown. That That's just insane that he's able to do that without his top receiver in the lineup. I mean, handing it off to Aaron Jones, there's nothing wrong with that. The dude can run for, as we saw two weeks ago, 170 yards and barely looks like he broke a sweat. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's a quality running back. You know, they have a lot of weapons. And if Adams makes it back, you know, um, clearly Lazard is a legit option as well as uh, Scantling. You know, those two have kind of switched off the last two weeks with uh, the targets, but. Um, I don't know. Their their defense is playing well enough. Um, they're never going to be a team to hold people under 20 points. Um, they're one that as long as they can give up less than Aaron Rodgers can throw for, they're usually okay. Um, because when you have Aaron Rodgers, I mean, you have 
as much as you need. Um, he looks like the Aaron Rodgers of two, three years ago, throwing you know forty-five touchdowns and two interceptions. Um, he is—he looks sharp. He looks like he's doing really well with this new system, um, kind of more modern, more his style than what McCarthy was bringing his last few years in Green Bay. Oh, without question there. And just to go back to the Drew Brees thing real quick, it doesn't really help when Drew Brees was just, I think I mentioned this before, but he's just dumping it off to Alvin Kamara and he's just not, he's not spreading the field enough. Like he was when Michael Thomas was there. And we even saw this last Monday night, just, he just was not throwing the ball down the field to Emmanuel Sanders or Jared Cook. So yeah, he's really missing that deep thread. But uh, the question I think for the Packers is, can they compete for a title? I think they can. Um, they're definitely the second best team in the NFC with uh, Seattle just ahead of them. And um, as long as New Orleans can get back to their winning ways and get Michael Thomas back, they are for sure a top five team in the NFC. But right now I think that conference belongs to either to Seattle and uh, Green Bay. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Green Bay is going to run away with their division. Uh, the Lions don't have a shot. You know, the Bears don't, and the Vikings, I mean, starting 0-3, um, they're pretty pretty far back, especially when you look at the Packers starting on the opposite end at 3-0. and um, You know, I, I think that the Seahawks are definitely um, the team to beat in the NFC, but, you know, if Rodgers keeps this up, if this team gets healthy, um, they could really be the 1A and 1B in the NFC. Um, it's almost too close to call uh, if the teams both get healthy. For sure, for sure. Uh, okay, so we're going to move on here to the uh, Buccaneers and the Broncos game. Bucks defeated Denver yesterday. Uh, Tom Brady looked like the old Tom Brady that we knew from a few years ago. Uh, a couple stat lines here for the quarterbacks. Tom Brady finished 25 of 38 for 297 yards and three touchdowns, while Jeff Driscoll finished 17 of 30, 176 yards, one touchdown, and an interception. Now, uh, the question is for you, Zach, is was this win more of good Tampa or was it more of bad Denver? I really think it was more of bad Denver, truthfully. I mean, you look at who started for them, Jeff Driscoll, a fringe NFL player at best. Um, you know, Not that Drew Locke is a superstar, but he looked like he was really um, going to be a good option for them. Um you know, they just don't have much outside of Noah Fant and Jerry Judy now uh, with um, losing um, so many key pieces in that offense, um, as well as, I mean, their defense is just, it's a skeleton at this point. Um, they're missing inside linebacker. You know, they got Von Miller out. They just lost their nose tackle. Um, they're, they're just a team that's vulnerable. Um, I think that Tampa really um, did a good job taking advantage of it and not letting um, you know, a bad team hang around. Um, you know, Gronkowski got involved a little bit there. He had six catches for almost 50 yards. Um, you know, but Godwin left a little early. Mike Evans, I mean, two catches for two yards and two touchdowns. Now, there's nothing wrong with two touchdowns, but when he's not getting anything downfield, it's kind of a struggle for that offense. And it's a real, uh, it's a real key point. You know, I, I don't know what would be keeping Mike Evans from really getting anything aside from Brady and not really throwing the ball downfield a lot. Um, if you look at, you know, kind of what his past type was the last five years in new England, it was a lot of dump offs. It's getting a little more downfield in Tampa, 
um, being the Godwin, you know, is more of a downfield threat, but they have OJ Howard and Gronkowski. So nine completions out of 25 were to tight ends. And you, you figure tight ends like that, they're not running 25 yard go routes. You make some good points there, but I'm actually going to take this the other way and say it was a uh, good Tampa. Uh, I think we're finally seeing Brady get on board, get, uh, get in rhythm with his receivers and Godwin and Mike Evans. And like you said, even Gronkowski got involved, which is because those two have made plays throughout their entire career. But I'm going to take us into the other direction and go with the defense. That defense dominated yesterday with a couple interceptions, a couple turnovers, uh, safety even, only allowing 10 points. And I, I just think this team is really getting itself together right now, sitting at 2-1 and one on top of the NFC South. If they can just – continue to do this i think we'll find i think we're finally seeing what uh we've all been expecting in the offseason and uh i gotta give a shout out here to uh scotty miller bg alumni because i am a bg alumni as well uh with three receptions for 83 yards leading the team there so great job for great great to see him get get involved in that offense oh absolutely i mean brady was always one to spread the ball around um you know we knew that he can make any wide receiver look good, but Scotty Miller looked really good in that game yesterday. Um, especially, you know, three for 83. That's just, it shows that he was getting open. It shows he was creating space for himself uh, and that Brady trusts him, um, which is a huge thing in that offense. Uh, you know, just a real quick here, it's just a Scotty Miller's looking like that Wes Welker that Brady had back in like mm-hmm. two, back in 2012. He's that slot guy. He's that guy that, Brady relies on and trusts. So oh, I agree. There, there's no doubt that Brady trusts Scotty. No, he definitely does. And, uh, and it's a good thing. Like I said, if you get on Brady's good side, you're going to, you're going to look pretty darn good. You see, again, he knows how to spread the ball. He's going to get it to you, especially from the slot. Um, he loves looking for his slot receivers. You know, he had Wes Welker, he had Hogan, you know, he had Edelman running out of the slot for how many years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his slot receivers are sometimes the most productive in his offense. Without question, without question. Um, so moving along to uh, the Cowboys dropping one to Seattle. Now, we both figure that Seattle will win this game. Um, but my goodness, Russell Wilson. <laughs> we spent 20 minutes talking about him last week, but. You know, what, how can you not when you're putting up, you know, 315 yards and five touchdowns, um, you know, and, and you're putting up five touchdowns back to back weeks and you set the NFL record for most touchdown passes through the first three games. Um, there, there's not enough to be said, and especially his MVP candidacy. Um, I mean, his QB rating on the season, it's up around what, one, what I got, 139. <laughs> I mean, his highest in his career was two years ago at 110.9, but sure, it's a very small sample size, but 139 through three games, that's just ridiculous. Insane. Ridiculous. There, There's no question that Russell Wilson is the front runner for MVP right now. I think two quarterbacks behind him are Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, but they're just not on the level like Russell Wilson is at right now. And throughout the – three weeks Russell Wilson hasn't thrown an interception he's protecting the ball he's spreading it around to DK Metcalf Chris Carson all Tyler Lockett all those guys even Greg Olson got involved yesterday 
Yeah, exactly. And that's a name that, you know, we haven't heard of in a while, but just Russell Wilson is like the magic man. He's just making plays all over the place. And (laughs) I got to laugh at that DK Metcalf play er earlier in the game when he was about to walk in for a touchdown and then was just slowed down and let Diggs come in and hit the ball out. Otherwise he would have had two more. He would have had two touchdowns instead of just the one. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, Anytime I see you know a receiver lose the ball at the goal line, granted this wasn't on his own. Um, I think of Deshaun Jackson. You know that's what really started it all, and it's happened how many times since. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know it's it's just one of those things, man. Like I get you know kind of showing off that you burned a corner, whatever. You know you made him look bad, you broke his ankles, but I mean your primary goal as a receiver is to score. You know, slow down, sure, but like at that point, reach out, just put the ball across the plane, and you can do whatever the heck you want. You know, like as we know in the NFL, all the, the nose of the ball has to touch the white line. You know, well, the, fir- the, the first thing that he's got to do is realize that yes, you beat the corner, but you still have him behind you chasing you. So you shouldn't slow down at like the three, four, five yard line, whatever it was to allow the cornerback to come up and hit that ball out for a touchback. If you, you got to catch the ball and then just run in for a touchdown. And like you said, afterwards, then you could do whatever you want. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not like you're playing, you know, backyard football that the corner gets beat, you know, your buddy that you burned on a route is just going to stop and you're going to score standing up, you know, um, it's the NFL and these guys are playing for paychecks. They're playing to get into the playoffs. The Cowboys aren't in a great position right now, you know, um, drop into one and two. I mean, they're they're a team that they need to win games. Granted, their division is, I mean, kind of a joke, but yeah, their division is terrible. Trash, <laughs> straight trash. <laughs> it really is. I mean, we thought the AFC South was bad. That's just terrible. Um, but but you know, the point being, you're you're playing for money here. You know, Metcalf, you're in your second year. You're trying to make your money. You're trying to get paid. You know, that corner is trying to do the same thing, but you got to realize you need to score in that instance. You can't let, you know, 15 yards of field between you and the corner be closed and then have the ball go out of the end zone for a touchback. Absolutely. 100%. But um, I'm going to show some love here for Dallas too. I think Dak Prescott had another big game. He went 37 to 57 for 472 yards, three touchdowns. He did have those two picks. Uh, Zeke with 34 yards on rushing and one touchdown. And then uh, Michael Gallup, six receptions, 138 yards and a touchdown. And they almost did the same thing like they did a week ago. They almost came back and won the game. And how Dak Prescott on the last play of the game really was able to avoid the sack and just throw the ball up. I mean, it was an interception, but just his ability to extend that play tells you that he's not going to give up on this team or that or the offense really. But um, again, Seattle just dominant again, another nail biter, but in the end, Seattle. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, Prescott's looked really good this year. I mean, uh, you know, last year he threw the ball a ton. He was thrown for 500 yards left and right. uh, or just about, Um, you know, the, the interception number is a little uh, misconception, a little bit of a misconception because, you know, granted that last play of the game, he was just trying to, get the ball downfield. You know, he didn't really care. He was just kind of praying. Um, 
you know, at, point, got, at that point you have to. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, you need something to extend the game, you know, like you can't just throw a little dump off and expect that to be enough. Um, but he's got, you know, CD lamb, Amari Cooper, Cedric Wilson and Gallup. I mean, they all looked really good and it's hard to really say who's number one. I mean, Cooper obviously is the most experienced and probably had the best pedigree coming out of college. Um, Gallup was invisible until now. Um, but he's finally showing up. Wilson looked really good. CD Lamb is is a great talent, and he's you know as a rookie looking really good. He's gonna be a good complement to Cooper there. Um, he's got weapons and Zeke. I mean, you can hand the ball off to an All Pro running back, or you can throw to fork at you know essentially top of the line wide receivers. Exactly. Um, yeah, that team's a good team. They just gotta you know get it together and win a couple games here. For sure, for sure, without a doubt. So we got a we got a couple of winless teams in the NFL right now, but I've but we've selected four who we think are the four worst teams in the NFL, and those teams are the Bengals, the Eagles, the Jets, and the Falcons. So Zach, the question is: out of those four teams, who's the worst team in the NFL? See, you know, we we considered five. The Giants were the fifth team. Um, I just got to give a little note on the Giants. They're so devastated with injuries, you can't even call them the worst team because they're not even able to put out what would be their best lineup and prove why they're not the worst team. But out of those four, the Bengals, Eagles, Jets, and Falcons, I got to say the Jets. I mean, the Bengals, Joe Burrow looks really good. They just don't have much around him, and there's not a whole lot he can do. You know, Granted, Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green and Joe Mixon are great, um, but outside of that, you know, the line isn't that great. The defense isn't really going to do enough to keep them in a lot of games. Um, the Falcons, I mean, I can't call them the worst team. They just kind of have this whole uh, don't want to play the fourth quarter thing right now. Um, but Julio, Russell Gage, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, the defense that they have, there's no reason why they shouldn't be winning these football games. Um, and the Eagles – they're such a weird team for me. You know, they, they can go from looking like 13 and three, like what they were a few years back um, to, to what they are now where they're just, they're, they're not playing, you know, essentially they're, you know, Carson Wentz, he's just a mess. Um, but the jets to me are the worst team in the NFL. Um, granted, Le'Veon Bell's hurt. Jamison Crowder's hurt. Probably their top two uh, offensive players. <laughs> Darnold just, he can't keep the ball in the Jets receivers hands. Everybody else gets the ball, but the Jets receivers um, receiver wise without Crowder there. What is it? Braxton Berrios. Is that their number one? I have no, I have no clue that they were playing with a bunch of nobodies yesterday. I think Chris Hogan is on that team or no, I think he's on the Panthers, but either way that just, just a bunch of nobodies. I mean, they could, you literally could go to your local YMCA and put together a football team that could compete with them. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> and that's pretty much how they probably got their receivers too. They probably went to the streets of New York and said, "Hey, you want to play wide receiver for us this weekend?" Yeah, we'll sign you there to contract five hundred bucks and you know a, a free sandwich card for the rest of the year. <laughs> exactly. You know, like I don't know. I they're a team that they've been rebuilding for how long and they and they thought Darnold was the answer um, when he was drafted I really didn't think he was going to be the answer um he just he didn't know how to take care of the ball in college and coming out I mean he doesn't know how to take care of the ball still 
um, and their defense. I mean, they just lost to the Colts 36 to seven. I mean, I think it was, yeah, seven, seven after the first and they gave up, you know, what's that 29 straight points. <laughs> I mean, they just, they, they didn't stand a chance, you know, rivers didn't really have to do a whole lot. You know, the Colts didn't really run that many offensive plays. Um, but you know, rut, Average yards per carry for the Colts were anywhere from you know three for Naheem Hines uh, as their you know kind of last string running back up to four and a half for Jonathan Taylor, um, and some of their receivers were averaging 17, 16 yards uh, per catch. I mean, they're just not keeping anybody in check. You know, I gotta agree with you on this one. The Jets are by far the worst team in the NFL, and it's really not even close. I was thinking it was the Eagles, but at this for coaching reasons, just because they, they they tied to the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday and Doug Peterson decides to punt the ball on their own like 40, 45, 49 yard line instead of going for it and try to put your quarterback in a good position to at least get a field goal out of it. But at the end of the day, it's for sure the Jets and Adam Gase is by far the worst head coach in the NFL. <laughs> oh There's no question He's there. He's a meme now. It, it, it really surprises me how he took the Miami Dolphins to the playoffs in 2016 because he is the worst head coach in the NFL. Well, And, and even when Le'Veon Bell – I mean, he's their best offensive player right now. Even, but even when Le'Veon Bell was healthy, he was not putting up the numbers like he did when he was a Pittsburgh Steeler a few years, few years ago. Give or take, you know, the offensive line is just bad. But Sam Darnold too. He threw two pick sixes yesterday. He, he's just he. I don't think he's the answer for them. I think he's talented, and I do think he has a future in the NFL. But he really needs to get out of New York if he wants to have any more success in the NFL. And also an honorable mention here for worst teams in the NFL. I, you got to throw the Broncos in there, but for for what you pointed out to earlier, Zach, with uh, the injuries to the New York Giants, they're also facing numerous injuries as well. Yeah. I mean, as we mentioned last week, hence the title, you know, just injuries galore. Um, you know, there's so many teams that are so injured now. Uh, that are going to struggle. Um, but I really think that, that the Jets are just in a league of their own below the NFL, you know, like that, like I said, the YMCA uh, rec league. Um, but let's, let's move on to talking about worst teams. We already mentioned how bad the NFC East is. Um, let's talk about the NFC East. I mean, they got the, I think the Washington Redskins. Oh wait, not Redskins. I'm sorry. Washington football team. Uh, that's one that's going to get some, take some getting used to. Hey, at um, least you corrected yourself. You're good. <laughs> not, I mean, I don't want to get yelled at by anybody, but uh, they're currently in first place in the NFC East, uh, being that they won their division game uh, earlier on. Um, I mean, they're one and two. Dallas is one and two. Philly's 0-2 and one. And the Giants, I mean, as we know, are 0-3. Um I just, I don't know. I mean, what do you even say? That division, you know, Dallas should be the team that wins the division easily. Philly should be second. Washington should be third. And the Giants are going to be last. Um, You know, Washington's got some talent. Terry McLaurin's pretty good. 
uh, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for Alex Smith. I always have been. I liked him even back with uh, San Fran. Um, and I really want to see him you know, get into a game at some point. Um, but Haskins is going to be their quarterback for now. Uh, he's not going to be the answer. Uh, just kind of like the RG3 experiment. I think it's going to last a couple of years and then they'll realize his inaccuracy and just kind of like overall uh, football IQ is not sufficient. Um, but yeah, I mean, Dallas is clearly the best team in that division. Just kind of ran into, you know, a tough, <laughs> a really tough Seahawks team um, or they'd be two and one. Um but yeah, I mean they're they're the worst division in football right now. By far the worst division in football, and you're absolutely right. The Cowboys, th- there should be no reason why Dallas shouldn't win this division. They are the most talented in that division. They got the best running back, the best wide receiver in that division right now. So there should be no question Dallas should not win this division. I mean, the football team. Like like you said, I, I do think Haskins is talented. I do think that he will be the future quarterback of the Washington football team. But I do think we will see Alex Smith at one point in the season. I think if Washington just keeps struggling, they get to a point where they're like two or two and five, two and six, and Haskins is just playing bad. I think we'll see Alex Smith at one point, and he could actually turn that team around. Oh, I agree. Um, I think Alex Smith is going to be good to to tutor him. Um, you know, kind of give him that uh, that experienced voice. Um, I think Ron Rivera is going to do fine there as a coach. I mean, he's a great coach. Um, I, I just don't know, you know, what to make of the whole. Uh, it's Haskins and Alex Smith, and isn't Kyle Allen the other quarterback on the roster? Uh, he the, might be. The he kid might played be. in Carolina last year. Yeah. Let's take a look right now. But I think um, you're right. I think he did follow Ron Rivera to yeah. Washington. Yeah, he's I mean listed as QB two. Um I mean last year he had, you know, seventeen touchdowns, thirty three hundred yards. That's that's a pretty solid season and he missed three games while Newton was still starting. Um Allen's a good quarterback. I think Ron Rivera really trusts him. Um I'd be interested to see, you know, if, if Haskins, you know, maybe falls out of favor or, you know, God forbid, you know, gets hurt, which obviously I don't wish that upon anybody. Um, I'd be interested to see, you know, what Kyle Allen could do um, or if it came down to maybe being Alex Smith. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing any of those three quarterbacks succeed. I think that they all deserve a fair shot. Um, But yeah, I mean, Washington, they're a team that maybe in a couple of years could be a lot better, um, but it's just going to be a little while still. I'm going to take this into the defensive route here for a second, but I do think Washington may have the best defense in that division as of right now. I mean, Dallas has a great pass rusher in Alden Smith, and they got two really good linebackers in uh, Jalen Smith. Uh, I think Sean Lee is the other linebacker since Vander Esch is out, but that secondary is just atrocious right now. But uh, Washington, I think, with their pass rush and their linebackers, I I think they could be the best because Washington got the best pass rusher in the draft in Chase Young. I mean, it's unfortunate he got hurt uh, on Sunday, but I think if he can get healthy for the rest of the season, he will for sure be the defensive rookie of the year. 
I agree. I think Washington's defense is hands down the better defense because um, really you're only comparing it to Dallas. Um, obviously, the Giants really aren't in that conversation, nor are the Eagles. Um, I think that the the Cowboys have the best pass rush, um, but everything else just leans towards the the football team. I think um, what Dallas needs to do is uh, go out there and sign Earl Thomas. Yeah, I'm still amazed that he's on the market still. Um, exactly. I get that you know he's a little bit older. He's been hurt lately, but it's Earl Thomas. I mean, he has that experience. He's been to Super Bowls. He's he's been a, a dominant, uh, you know, defensive back presence. Um, the fact that he's still unsigned is just mind-boggling to me. I think teams are more worried about like his locker room issues because you know he hit one of his teammates in practice when he was with the Ravens. So oh, I, yeah. I think more teams are worried about that than they are his talent because he's for sure a talent, but he just needs to get to a team with a good col- coaching culture that can coach him to say, hey, just leave your ego on the practice field or at home and d- don't bring that here. Oh, absolutely. Um, you got to get that in check if you're Earl Thomas, and that's what's keeping him from getting paid right now. Uh, quick little side note, man, the Chiefs are making the Ravens look bad <laughs> i'm sorry oh I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know we're both watching it right now but lamar just looks you know helpless out there that uh, fumble recovery the chiefs are up 27 to 10 uh, 45 seconds left in the first half um i don't know <laughs> that's crazy anyways no it's yeah no it's insane <laughs> yeah i had to give a little game break there um but yeah let's move on from uh you know some of the worst teams to the unbeatens that are left in the nfl um we got the Steelers, the Titans, the Seahawks, Ravens, and Chiefs. One will not be uh, in a couple of hours. Uh, the Bills and the Packers, and surprisingly, the Chicago Bears. Um, what do you make of that list of unbeaten teams? You know, I, um, it doesn't surprise me from some of these teams, but I do think the team that surprises me the most are the Chicago Bears. Just with their quarterback situation right now, they just made the QB switch to Nick Foles, which is the smartest decision ever because he's way better than Trubisky. So it does look like we are seeing the last of the Trubisky era in Chicago. But other than that, I mean, the other the rest of the list doesn't surprise me. I mean, the, the Titans doesn't surprise me because they're a team that was in the AFC Championship a year ago. Give it, I mean, they're, they're not playing probably like – like they were a year ago, but at the end of the day, they still got Ryan Tannehill still playing at a good level. Derrick Henry still a monster back and the defense is still playing really well. Uh, the Steelers, again, they're playing really good right now. Ben Roethlisberger coming back from that elbow injury, playing like he's always had him playing. And the Steelers defense is just hands down one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, then the rest of the rest of the teams, I think they are for sure Super Bowl contenders. Ravens or Chiefs, I know one is not going to be undefeated after tonight, but even whoever comes out comes out here with the loss, they're they're still a Super Bowl contender. Seahawks probably out of these these teams are the clear favorite. Uh, the Bills, they're they're playing like they like they did last year, picking up right where they left off. Josh Allen playing at an unbelievable level as well, MVP caliber level, and just the Packers, Aaron Rodgers. That's all you got to say about the Packers right now is just Aaron Rodgers. I agree. Um, I think that 
you know, outside of the Bears, these are teams that you could have seen going three and zero to start the season, um, or you know, two and zero, three and zero, um, with the way that the schedules were. I mean, the Bills they've had um, they've had a pretty good run here. Um, the Packers, you know, it was kind of hard to say with that game last night with the Saints, um, but you know, the Steelers haven't had that tough of a run these first three games, um, especially with the injuries that other teams they're facing have had. Um, the Titans, like you said, the defense is still uh, outstanding. They still have Derrick Henry. Um, the Seahawks, I mean, it's the least surprising to me that they're 3-0, and and then followed by the Chiefs and Ravens. Um, it was just kind of a matter of what you know the Chiefs did uh, to start the year in Game 1. Um, and the Ravens, they're a team that they just needed to hopefully keep Lamar out of a sophomore slump. Um, and I'm interested to see how the rest of the season goes for him. Um, I mean, as much as... You know, I'm not a, a Ravens fan, and I could care less if they won another football game. Um, I don't want to see Lamar struggle. I think that he's good for the league, kind of on the level that uh, Mike Vick was um, when we were much younger. Um, he was good for the league. It was a good change of culture, change of pace. Um, but I really think that out of this list, the clear favorite would be the Seahawks, followed by the Chiefs, especially with this performance they're putting on right now. You know, it's going to be a real test for both the Steelers and the Titans this week. You got two outstanding defenses going up against two pretty good offenses. So I think both Ryan Tannehill and Big Ben will have will have a maybe a little bit of a struggle there. But other than that, I think you're right. The clear favorite is Seattle and the Chiefs right now because yeah, Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes lighting up a show. And Russell Wilson just keeps playing at that MVP level. I could definitely see the Seahawks and the Chiefs in this year's Super Bowl. And I got to be honest, that would be a great Super Bowl. Two great quarterbacks going at it. That that would be a great Super Bowl to watch. That would be one of the best Super Bowls that I think I've ever seen. Um, I mean, truthfully, aside from you know Steelers Packers when it was you know Ben at the top of. You know, his skills, you know, Rodgers coming in, playing unbelievable. Um, that was a great game to watch. Um, you know, the other side of it, you know, it comes down to you would be seeing potentially the two quarterbacks going up for MVP at the end of the season in Mahomes and, uh, and, and Russell Wilson. Um, that's kind of like a dream come true scenario, especially for the league. For sure, without a doubt there. All right, let's get into some of our game picks for week four. We're not going to do all 32 teams, but um, and I think some teams have some bye weeks this week, but uh, we're getting into some of the matchups that we think are good matchups for this week. So uh, we'll start with the uh, Steelers and the Titans, uh, the battle of 3-0 and teams, and uh, this will be a real test of the Steelers' D and Ben Roethlisberger, but also for Ryan Tannehill and the Titans' defense. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, the Steelers' defense is going to have to work really hard up front uh, to contain Derrick Henry, kind of keep Tannehill in the pocket and work that pass rush. I mean, between you know T.J. Watt, Bud Debris, Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuit, Mike Hilton coming in from 15 yards away, uh, bull rushing quarterbacks. Um, you know the the Titans are going to have their hands full. That's for sure. Um, I guess the Steelers' D most needs to watch out for uh, Jonu Smith. Um, cause he's probably matched up with Devin Bush a lot in coverage. Um, I just don't know what Devin Bush is going to bring in that situation. 
Um, but for me, I think that this is a game that's going to come down to uh, even potentially overtime. Um, but I'm going to say probably on a field goal to end the game. Uh, as much as I want to say the Steelers win, I don't think that they will. Um, I think that uh, it, it's going to be time that they're they're going to face a team that's got the same talent level fairly close. And, you know, early on, um, they're, they're probably going to give a good game, but I just think that the Titans are going to prevail uh, this week. Hate to agree with you on this one, but I, I'm going to have to. I, I think the Titans are just going to run the ball with Derrick Henry. I think the Steelers will contain him early, but towards the end, Derrick Henry is just going to be the bulldozer that he is and just run runs over people. Uh, it, it's really a mismatch between Derrick Henry and Devin Bush because the size difference is just bad there. But uh, even the Steelers secondary has looked a little shaky past couple games because St- Steven Nelson was a guy that really showed off to be one of the best corners in the league last year. He didn't give up a single touchdown, but this year he's kind of regressed. He's just not playing like he did last year. So I think I'll have a better game this week, but I have to agree with you on this. I do think the Titans will beat the Steelers by a field goal. I think this game goes overtime and Tennessee wins it. Yeah, I think it's just too close to call. It could go either way. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I really just think that's how it's going to end up. Um, our next game, uh, staying in the AFC North, we got the Browns versus the Cowboys. Uh, I think it's time that we see, you know, uh, if all this talent in Cleveland is actually, you know, somewhat for real. Uh, they could go to three and one with a win. Um, you know, so we're kind of looking to see are the Browns for real or are the Cowboys going to show us uh, why they're the team, you know, everybody thinks they are that. Uh, is should run away with the NFC East. I expect this game to be a shootout because both defenses are just not that good. I mean, I mean, I mean, you got two good pass rushers in Miles Garrett and Alden Smith, but at the end of the day, it's really just going to come down to which offense is going to show up more and. For the Browns, they just need to keep doing what they're doing. Give the ball to Nick Chubb. Give the ball to Kareem Hunt. Set up the play-action pass for Baker to find Jarvis or Odell downfield. And uh, I think the same thing goes for the Cowboys. Uh, Dak just needs to keep playing like he has been. Uh, Hand the ball off to Zeke and then set up that play-action pass where you can find C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup. But um, I'm going to take Dallas in this matchup just because this game is in Big D. And it's really hard for teams to go into Dallas and win in Dallas. So I think the Cowboys win by a touchdown, maybe 10 points. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, but I think Dallas wins. Um, I think I'm going to agree with you here. Uh, I just think that Dallas has a little more talent than the Browns can uh, keep up with. Plus, you know, it is the Browns. Um, you know, another new coach, another another change. Baker's still got to get used to uh, – got used to a new voice um and i just think that the cowboys uh that their their defense will be enough um but the offense will be too much for the browns um so our next matchup here uh we got the saints and the lions never thought that that would be an intriguing matchup um because normally you would think the saints would just kind of run around the field and the lions would just sit in the middle um but i think that this is a game that really needs to be 
a statement win for uh, New Orleans here. Uh, it's a matter of can they get it together. Uh, personally, I think that they are going to win this game because the Lions are just – they're a team that have Matthew Stafford, who I love. Uh, I think that he's a great quarterback. He just has been given a terrible hand for the last five years. Uh, you know, Megatron retired, but I respect everything about what he did. Um, you know, he just hasn't been given everything he needs. They haven't had a running game in a long time. Um, they're just so one dimensional and they got rid of Darius Slay. Uh, I just don't see how they stand a chance. I say the saints by at least 14. I may be crazy, but I'm calling the upset. I'm taking Detroit to beat New Orleans. I think New Orleans offense is going to continue to struggle a little bit. I think Jeff Okuda is going to pick off, uh, pick off Matt, uh, Drew Brees here. I think it'll be a close game, but at the end, I'm taking Matthew Stafford to upset the New Orleans Saints. It's a bold strategy there, but Matthew Stafford is a, is a heck of a quarterback, and he, uh, he certainly, you know, they could pull it out, you know, if Galladay stays healthy, Marvin Jones. Uh, Adrian Peterson's kind of looking like Adrian Peterson. Not quite as good as he used to be, but, you know, still running the ball fairly effectively. Um, you know, just to add on to this real quick here, but um, the Lions defense held um, an MVP caliber in Kyler Murray. They forced three turnovers on Kyler Murray. So I think if the defense can play like they did and contain Drew Brees, I mean, Drew Brees isn't Kyler Murray, but I just think that if the Lions, if the Lions from this past Sunday shows up next Sunday against Drew Brees and the Saints, I, I think I think the Lions win. I think they definitely have a shot. I just, uh, I guess my thought is that the Saints are going to get back on get back on track. You know, I think that Peyton's going to really motivate them, and uh, I think that you know Brees knows how to to rally that locker room. Um, it's definitely going to be an interesting one for sure. Uh, after what the Lions did this week to uh, to the Cardinals. Um, but you do have to realize Hopkins still had 140 yards. Kyler just was very inaccurate. But they did keep Kenyon Drake in check. Um, so it's certainly going to be interesting. That's true. I mean, no, yeah, that's true. Kamara, um, you know, they could do the same thing to him that they just did to Drake. But uh, I'm definitely going to keep my eyes on that game. Um, I want to see, you know, what the Saints are made of, if they can get it together, um, or are the Lions going to make a big move? I don't know. Uh, it's a tough call. Um, yeah, we'll see, but I'm sticking to my upset pick in the Lions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Got to stick to your guns there. Um, next game we're going to look at will be the Seahawks and the Dolphins. Um, mostly looking at this, how many touchdowns is Russ going to have both on the ground or through the air? Oh, he's he's for sure going to have a monster game. He's he's going to light that Dolphins defense up, and there, there's no question – there's no question, and there should be no reason why Seattle shouldn't win this game by by 25 or more points. There should be no reason for that. Oh, I agree. I think that, that this is a game that you might see a college-type score you know, or stat line. Um, I think that, that Russ is just going to be uh, – he's just going to be insane. Uh, ho- hopefully Carson isn't hurt too, too bad. I know he's not going to play next week most likely, um, but I don't really think they need a running game. Uh, to beat the Dolphins, I think between Metcalf Lockett and uh, and Greg Olson, 
I think they're going to be fine. I truly don't think that uh, there's a chance. Yeah, you know, like um, I still think like Seattle's defense, they're, they're still sh- questionable, but I think they show up this week and, yeah, they're going to shut out Matthew, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, excuse me, and that line's off. <laughs> excuse me, I got my mind on the Lions right now. <laughs> but, uh, no, the, Russell Wilson is – Russell Wilson and the Seahawks are going to absolutely crush Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins. Absolutely. Um, next game we're looking at will be the Chargers and the Buccaneers. Um, you know, these last three games have been kind of weird matchups to really be taking a look at. Um, but I think a lot of the matchups are a little weird, um, you know, this week. So, uh, we're looking at Justin Herbert and Tom Brady, the, the 43 year old versus the 23 year old. Um, you know, kind of like that, uh, that strange thing that we've been seeing with Tom and a lot of rookies the last few years, um, you know, being that he's getting up there in age, you're kind of looking at the comparison. Um, you know, I think Justin Herbert's a good talent. Um, but I think that like you were mentioning earlier, that Buccaneers defense is going to be a lot, um, for them to handle, <clears throat> you know, Herbert's no, um, Herbert's no Phillip rivers. Uh, Keenan Allen is still Keenan Allen, but he's really not getting the ball downfield to guys like Mike Williams. Um, who are their deep threats. I mean, Williams had like one catch for like 17 yards this week. Um, I don't know. I think he's got to work more downfield. You know, Eckler's a great running back, but, uh, you know, Fournette and Ronald Jones, Gronkowski, Godwin, Mike Evans, OJ Howard. I just, I think that the Buccaneers win this game and they really show us why you were right earlier or like they helped prove your point from earlier that it was, a really good Buccaneers team, not just a bad Broncos team. You got to take the veteran quarterback in this situation. I think Tom Brady is going to light up that chargers uh, defense. I think Joey Bosa is going to have a good game too. This will be a really good test for the Buccaneers offensive line. Cause they have been shaky at times, especially against the saints in week one, but uh, but uh, yeah, just I think that this proves my point that it, it's a good Buccaneers team. Uh, Brady getting on board, getting in rhythm with all of his wide receivers. We'll see if uh, Chris Godwin plays. Hopefully he does because I have him in one of my fantasy football leagues. Quite, so I kind of need you, Chris Godwin, to play. But if not, I think uh, Brady builds his chemistry with Mike Evans even more. And I think Gronk will get his first touchdown this weekend against the Chargers. Oh, I absolutely see that happening. I think Gronk gets on the board, and I think it happens in a big way. I think it's a classic, you know, just man amongst boys kind of touchdown for Gronk. Uh, he's not the same player he was, but I still think that that's the kind of game we're going to see from him. Um, you know, I think that that offense is going to start clicking. I think Brady's finally getting accustomed to it, um, you know, in a new system, and it's going to work out for him pretty well. So next game we're going to look at here is going to be the Patriots and the Chiefs. Uh, last year was a marquee matchup, and it's a very uh, prevalent matchup this year. Um, new quarterback under center for the Patriots, as we all know, Cam Newton. Uh, and then the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they're up 27-10 to 10 at, uh, at half here. Uh, Mahomes is 19-27 of 27 for 260 with three uh, passing touchdowns and one rushing touchdown. Um, I mean, the Chiefs look like the team that won the Super Bowl last year. Um, I think that the Chiefs win this game pretty handily. Um, I just don't think that um, 
I don't think that the Patriots can do enough against the Chiefs next week. Um, you know, granted, the the Patriots look like a really good team. Um, I think it all just comes down to the fact that they're in Kansas City. You know, there's no fans, but um, the Chiefs just play so well at home. I just think that's where the game ends up coming down to. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my train of thought there, but um, no, I think I, I have to agree, but this is a real test for the Patriots to see if they can be contenders in the AFC. But at the end of the day, I like the fact that Kansas City is playing in Kansas City. So, yeah, I have to agree. I think Kansas City's defense, it gets to Cam Newton, keeps him contained, especially with the way Kansas City's playing right now. And I think Patrick Mahomes is going to pick apart that defense. Absolutely. And I'll correct what I said before. The Chiefs are one of the teams in the league that are letting fans in. It's still nothing like what they used to have at Arrowhead, you know, breaking sound level records and all right. that kind of stuff. It's just that atmosphere, regardless fans, a few fans or all the fans that can fit. Um, it's something else uh, for that chiefs team. Well, we saw, we saw that week one, uh, uh, the Kansas city arrowhead, they allowed some fans in, I forget how many fans they allowed in, but I think with at least a few fans in there at arrowhead, uh, they will for sure. The fans are going to help out the chiefs a lot. All right, so now we're going to look at the Vikings and the Texans. Uh, two 0-3 teams. Um, the Vikings are a team that um, the last few years has been a contending level team. Uh, the Texans as well, they were expected to be. Um, so I, I guess the way we're looking at it, something has to give. Someone's got to get that first win. Um, and which team, uh, I guess my question to you is, who's going to struggle the most if they start 0-4? To me, I think it's the Texans. I think they will struggle the most if they start out 0-4. Um, just, they, they haven't been able to stop the run at all, especially in the fourth quarter. We, we saw the stat line yesterday when they were playing the Steelers. Uh, uh, Edwards Hilaire had over 100 yards. The Ravens' whole entire team had, I think, 200 rushing yards. And then James Conner himself had 109 rushing yards. And the Texans defense is going up against Dalvin cook, a really good, really good young running back right now who just had over 180 yards rushing yesterday. So to me, I think the Vikings take this matchup. I just, I just don't trust the Texans right now. I I think Sean Watson, he's still good, but he's still missing Deandre Hopkins. He's not finding receivers like Will Fuller, Randall Cobb, Brandon cooks, and David Johnson still hasn't really showed up besides week one. So I I like the Vikings in this matchup. I think they'll win it by 10 points. I think one of the biggest surprises on that Texans team is with the, the, you know, taking away DeAndre Hopkins, how Brandon cooks has just like not been on the field. He's been on the field, but his production is next to zero. I think that's just shocking to me. Um, You'd think that, he'd be someone that could potentially replace some of that production. Um, you know, they got Kenny Stills, they got Randall Cobb, they got Will Fuller, and then Brandon Cooks. I mean, those are some pretty experienced quality receivers um, that are just not doing anything. And David Johnson, a guy that ran for 2,000 yards or received for 1,000, 
Um, I mean, how do you not put together some sort of offensive production without those, you know, with all those guys? Um, I think I have to agree with you. I think that the Vikings take this game. Um, the Texans will be motivated. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I just think that, uh, that the Vikings, you know, like you were mentioning with Dalvin cook, I think that they just have it going. Um, I don't think that they really need Kirk cousins to do much of anything. I just think cook's going to do more than, uh, more than enough. Um, I just think that the, the Texans going on four, uh, that's going to signal uh, a need for change. I think, especially, um, on the coaching front. Yo, real quick here before we move on to our next uh, game pick, but uh, out of those four teams that we talked about earlier and and including the other Owen winless teams, who do you think has the best chance at making the playoffs? Huh, out of the winless teams? Yep. I, I don't know. I mean, the Texans, it, it's tough. We're talking about how they're struggling and they're a team that um, – you know, is going to need some change, but you look at the other winless teams, you have Minnesota wins. Like we think, you know, they're not going to be winless anymore. That leaves, you know, Atlanta, uh, the jets, the Broncos, the, the Bengals and the Texans, the Broncos, they're missing half their team. The jets are, as we both said, the worst team in the NFL. Uh, the Bengals, I think are not going to make the playoffs just because Joe Burrow's in his first year. Uh, he's looked really good, but either way, I think that that makes a difference. The Giants are also missing half their team, and the Falcons, uh, they're they're just going to be too far back in their own division. I mean, two, two teams are going to make it out of that division. I think it's going to be the Saints and the Buccaneers. Um, you know, and then, you know, potentially the extra spots in the NFC will be taken up by Cardinals and the Bears if the Bears keep this up. Um, so, I, I mean, I'd have to say that the team that has the best chance is the Texans. Um, they've started out poorly in seasons past, and they've, you know, found a way into the playoffs. But I don't know. I think going 0-4 is too much for any team, even a, you know, Tom Brady team or a Peyton Manning-led team from, you know, the late 2000s into 2010. I think I have to agree with you there. I think the Texans by far have the best chance at making the playoffs. Just as long as De- Deshaun Watson can get on board and find Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Stills, and they get the running game going. And if the, if that defense with J.J. Watt can just stop the run, there's no question that this team can be back in the playoffs here come January. Absolutely. Um, getting that team kind of on track is a big deal. Um but I don't know. I think that really any of these teams winless after three, four games are just, they're getting too far behind in the standings for um, a real run. You know, um, the Colts last year, two years ago, I think they won like 10 straight games after starting um, 0 and 5. 1 and 5, I think. Yeah, yeah I, think it was like, five, I think it was 1 yeah. and 5. Yeah, 1 and 5, winning 10 straight. I mean, that's incredible. But I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's very uncommon and that was a team that just kind of gelled and really got it going uh they also had andrew luck at that time so um True. it's a it's a big difference you know deshaun watson's a great quarterback but he's no andrew luck uh, in my eyes um moving on we got the uh the bills and the raiders here um buffalo looks like a really good team as we've said um josh allen's playing at a ridiculous level um Got to give a shout out to a couple of my coworkers uh, with the Penguins. Um, 
big Bills fans, both from Buffalo. Um, we all love Josh Allen. I, I root for the Bills mostly because they're probably my second favorite team in the AFC. Um, and I also am a huge Josh Allen fan. But, uh, I mean, he's got some chemistry now with Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs. Uh, you know, he's got John Brown still. Devin Singletary is still a solid running back, but they also have um, you know a really good defense. Yeah, they got some uh, some corners that are as good as anybody in the league, um, and they're going to probably contain this Raiders team. I think the Bills win this game handily. Uh, I don't think it uh, even comes close to how you know close the game was this week with the Rams. I agree with you there. I think the Bills by far go into Las Vegas and. They, they have their way with the Raiders. I think the Raiders, they had their fun the first two, three weeks. Uh, I mean, they just lost to the Patriots yesterday. But other than that, yeah, just Tredavious White, that defense is going to is, is gonna ball big, and so is Josh Allen. Josh Allen is going to continue to to ball, get the ball to Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown, and I, I think the Bills went big. I agree. Um, and then last game we're looking at for this week is going to be the Packers and the Falcons. Um, you know, we're kind of looking to see, can Atlanta get a win and maybe play a game into the fourth quarter and not blow a lead? Or are the Packers just going to move to 4-0? Um, what are your thoughts? Sorry about that. Uh, Packers for sure, I think, move to 4-0. I um. I don't think the Falcons will have the lead at all in this game. Uh, It'll obviously help the Falcons if they get Julio Jones back this week, but I just don't think the Falcons will have the lead at all in this game. Uh, uh, Sorry, excuse me. Aaron Rodgers is going to have his way with that defense, and that defense of the Packers is going to get to Matt Ryan, and uh, Falcons fall to 0-4, and Packers move on to 4-0. Yeah, I agree. I think the Packers just uh, they keep it rolling. Um, I think that if they they stay healthy, if they potentially get Devontae Adams back, um, and then Aaron Jones, he'll be able to run pretty freely in this game. Um, being that obviously the Falcons will game plan for Aaron Rodgers, it'll open up the field for Jones. Um, I just think that uh, that the Packers are going to move to four and zero, and I don't really think it's going to be much of a competition. Yeah, without question, Aaron Rodgers is just going to continue to play at the Super Bowl MVP caliber quarterback that he is. I agree. Um, so, yeah, that brings us to the end of this episode. Um, just a little uh, little update on the games going on right now. Uh, we got the Chiefs up 27 to oh, 10. Oh, he just jumped off sides. <laughs> uh, yeah, there it is. Nice, nice moves there. Um, Yes, yeah, so the Chiefs are up 17, uh, just the start of the second half. And uh, we have Tampa Bay up 2 to nothing at the end of the second period. Uh, so if Dallas doesn't get uh, get it going and get a couple goals here, maybe you know win the game, get it to overtime, it uh, looks like Tampa Bay is going to be lifting the cup uh, for the first time since 2004. Um, and actually, there was a stat that I heard today on uh, Spit and Chicklets, a podcast that I love to listen to. Um, that'll be the first team in like 80 years to have to win the cup and their captain to not be dressed. Uh, Steven Stamkos missing the rest of the playoffs with his uh, wow. lower body injury that he's been struggling with since February. So uh, something to keep your eyes on there. You might see the captain walking out in jeans and a jersey, um, looking like Mountain Man from uh, you know from the from Mount Everest with his long hair and his beard, but 
Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I've always been kind of a, a Dallas fan, um, but I'm also a Stamkos fan. I feel bad for him getting hurt a lot. Um, so I guess to me, I can't really go wrong. Uh, Stamkos gets a cup or Dallas gets a cup. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, and uh, maybe we'll see a game seven here. All right. At this point, uh, yeah, you know, at this point, I don't think we will see a game seven if they're already up to nothing. And uh, what period are they in right now? They're just going into the third. So they got, you know, 20 minutes left. Dallas does to get either two goals and send it to overtime uh, for a third straight game or get three and end it or it, the series is done and the Cups go into Tampa Bay. I, I think we see that tonight. And yeah, the, the Chiefs are just having their way with the Ravens right now. I The Ravens just get a just got a turnover, which could maybe turn the game around for them, but it, I, I think the Chiefs win this game. Yeah, I think the Chiefs win. I mean, they're up 17, uh, 10 minutes to go in the third. Uh, I mean, Mahomes right now looks like why they paid him $450 million. So Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's all I have. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Nope, I think we are all set. All right. Well, that uh, that wraps up our second episode, and uh, we'll be back next next week for our uh, – for our third episode. All right, cool. Hey, great to talk to you again, Zach, and looking forward to this again next week. Sounds good. Good to talk to you again as well. All right, see you guys. See you.